Hi everyone, welcome back to the Congressional App Challenge Debugged Podcast. I'm your host, Megha, and today we have Sayan and Sohil Bhatia, founders of the organization Start STEM Early with us. Sohil Bhatia is a junior at Redmond High School and Sayan is a senior at the same high school. They're both co-founders of Start STEM Early, an organization that conducts workshops and sessions that are designed to be a catalyst in a student's learning journey. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you all doing this afternoon? We're doing good. Thank you for having us so much. Yeah, we're doing absolutely fantastic here. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on our show and uh, on the show and just presenting our journey and what we're all about. Yeah, of course. So tell me a little bit about yourselves. How did you both get interested in computer science in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. I would say we started off quite young elementary school. We were passionate about science, technology, engineering, math, and that interest really brought us to competitions opportunities that really led us to delve further into that passion and really bring out the problem-solving side and the skills that we love. But yeah, that kind of got us into helping kids out do the same. And that's where our mission folds in into being promoting early STEM education. And and one of the biggest things I think for both of us early on in middle school and elementary school was Scratch. That was something that when we were both in like second and third grade was really big. And we got into Scratch and that was just a huge that was just a big opening into the world of computer. And then from there, we moved on and we explored other fields of computer science. And eventually now we, of course, got into app building and participated in the Congressional App Challenge a few years ago. I mean, that was a great experience. But I think overall, we've just been solely building our knowledge of computer science and kind of leveling up in the projects that we do. I and mean, that's just been the catalyst for growing our experience in that and feeding into that just the joy of computer science. Yeah, and you guys mentioned Scratch, and I know that I've had a lot of experience in Scratch as a younger child as well. Do you remember any of the cute or funny projects that y'all made with Scratch a really long time ago? Yeah, my, my first experience with Scratch was in first grade. Mm -hmm. I first built this tennis ball that would have this rainbow path effect, and it was really cool because my, my friends and I, we moved past playing games to instead making them, and so we were doing things like recreating Flappy Bird, creating trivia games for our favorite classes in elementary school and middle. And, but that's just what my experience has been. Yeah, and for me, actually, I would say, I remember specifically when I was in second or third grade, I was really addicted to the game Jetpack Joyride. It was just, it was huge at the time and it was on an iPad and I used to play that like almost every single day after school. And I remember one thing I built on Scratch was like a super basic version of that. It wasn't really that good, but it was a super basic version of that. And I remember the front page of Scratch one day and I saw that on one of the featured rows, it, it said Jetpack Joyride and that was where it hit for me. Yeah. Yeah, I actually remember playing Jetpack Joyride very vividly. So very cool to hear. And so that sounds like really two interesting pivotal moments that inspired y'all to start coding apps. And so what kind of advice would you give to other young high schoolers like yourselves who want mm -hmm. to start programming but are daunted by how much there is to learn? I think we, both So and I, we've thought about this a lot. And I think what comes to mind as the sole importance of computer science is one actually recognizing that it has a, a vital role in today's world. Even, even people who are passionate about other things that aren't STEM related are getting into computer science and STEM. And I think that's really important because it, it, it feeds into every kind of field there is out there. So having an interest, building, a, building the skills in computer science, whether that be building apps, building games, whatever that might be that might, you know, that you something you can pursue an interest in, that is something we really promote. And so our advice really would be to obviously recognize that computer science is important and find a medium that allows you to explore that. Mm -hmm. 
And can you like point to any specific mediums that you felt have allowed you and facilitated your interest in computer science by that same logic? Yeah, that's actually a great question. I think there's a variety of mediums that you can take. Like usually for us, it's, it starts with the idea. That's how we usually start the process of building any computer science project or doing any STEM endeavor. But some of the mediums that we use is, for example, for app building, something that we've found to be super helpful and beneficial has been Xcode. Basically, this application built by Apple, of course, where um, students as young as us, high schoolers, middle schoolers, students of all ages can really just take computer science, even the basic at the basic level, and just build an app and eventually publish it onto an app store, which is, it's fantastic, it's crazy to see, and it's amazing to see that even in today's world, uh, some, some of the applications that are used by some of the expert developers and companies and um, huge development teams that can be accessed by high schoolers and young students like us. So that's just one of the many mediums that we use, but there's tons of resources out there, of course, things like Code Academy, Khan Academy, of course, founded by Sal Khan. That's been, that's been really huge, but there's so many different places to learn, but also apply your skills in coding, which I feel like is always an avenue you should look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for sure, I totally agree. Xcode is a great IDE. And what advice would you give to someone who genuinely just felt like they could not code at all. If someone came up to you and said, oh wow, you're a programmer, I could never see myself as a programmer, what would you say in response to that? I think instead of saying, I would probably show them. One of our, um, one of the things we've always um, done as in our programs for internet app building or small basic programming is we start off with problem or we start off with, with an, an idea or a solution. How are we gonna build this game? How are we gonna solve this problem? And so when you start with those kind of things, it inspires someone who might be a little bit afraid of programming or computer science in general to think about how they're gonna do that. One of the most common things people will see is that once they see that's the way they wanna build a game or that's how people build apps, I think that's where they really recognize how important computer science is. And it also kind of transforms into a place where they feel that they're more comfortable with it. And I think that's where it comes from is that computer science can all often get difficult and boring because of the way it's taught or because of the way they're exploring that. So I think definitely means so both can uh, agree on this is that we would show them a game or an app and then go from there and build their interest in computer science and programming by showing them what exactly could be done and how they could go about programming it. Yeah, that sounds great. And so bouncing right off of that, I know you mentioned a couple of the programs that you all have. So what exactly is Start STEM Early? And what kind of unique experience is Start STEM Early cultivating and bringing to younger students in your communities? That's a fantastic uh, question. So what Start STEM really is, it's bringing unique STEM concepts and sessions to young students across the world. Something that really Sarsham really strives on doing and as a mission, we do offer core sessions like chemistry and physics and all those uh, kind of courses. But the idea of what Sarsham really strives to do is offer sessions and basically programs that students cannot get anywhere else. Huge courses that has been primarily successful in the past has been intro to app building which is basically a course where students from grades all the way to first grade, all the way to eighth grade can walk into our classes with zero experience and they can walk away in that six week program to build six apps. And so one of the statements we used was six apps in six weeks and students of all ages, zero experience can walk in and we'll walk them step by step of not only how to build the app, but how to go from idea 
to production. And some of the things that we do in those that program especially is at the end we do an app showcase where students take what they've learned in those past six weeks and they take an idea or any creative idea they have and they put all the concepts they've learned into practice um, and present an app on their own. They build it completely and we walk them through the step-by-step -step process, but that final app is something that they build on their own. And I think both San and I can say is across the sessions that we've taught, we've almost had 3,000 students attend this program. And some of the amazing things that we see in these showcases, like one of the things we saw was an Ariana Grande trivia app. There were so many cool games, so many different ideas that we ourselves never had thought of. But these students had literally six weeks ago no idea what computer science was, what programming even entails. And they would walk away from this program, some crazy app that they, that they decided would be so cool to present. And it's just fantastic to see these students, these young students just lit up as soon as they see how to build an app and how to take that one idea into an app that they can literally use on their phone. Wow, that's really cool. And besides this computer science program that you have for six weeks, what other kinds of opportunities do you provide? And what exactly prompted you uh, both to start this nonprofit in the first place? Yeah, we really see there's a huge focus on education. There, there have been almost a decade ago, we saw videos of like code.org and they had a massive mission to promote programming computer science even and build that in young students and that's something we want to do for not just computer science and programming but for stem overall that seeing kids start very early is important just like i said before because stem is everywhere and that's what we want uh students to pursue even if they're even if they're interested in other things other things we've done other programs we've started is like 3d design which has also been a computer science based like tech program basically creating 3D models and Tinkercad, building based, based off things that they've actually seen in their life. And it's all based on seeing an issue and seeing a model themselves and then finding ways to build it. And then also like forensics, small basic program, and then other programs like and forensics we, and, yeah, and other science, STEM competitions, basically getting into a science Olympiad, science bowl. And that's where we really started, but that was just some of the few, a few of the programs. And what I, I think to reiterate what San's saying too is along with the program, something that we recently started in fact was something that we called the Global Student Challenge, which is basically an annual competition that we host from start to early. And essentially that's a chance for students to walk in and basically we divvy up this competition into two categories, which is students can build apps and compete to win prizes, but students can even compete even if they have no experience. So the way we've divided this competition is students can walk through a step-by-step -step category, which is basically we show them three different videos. They, they like watch these videos and they learn how to create the app themselves. And then they can provide their own unique twist to the app and then compete in that category. Or there's the create your own category, which is essentially where they just take any basic app and they just take from scratch whatever the idea they have and then just build it throughout and then just submit that app for the competition. So we've held, we held our first Global Student Challenge actually last year in the winter. That was a really fun one. We had around 200 attendees and then this summer we actually had our second one, which was really fun as well. That's really cool. And I like the fact that you made it both beginner friendly and non-beginner friendly, which mm -hmm. is really nice to hear. And so finally, I just wanted to ask a question about y'all's lives and so what are the highs and lows about living in the greater seattle area there are, there are absolutely a lot of highs we being being in being in the seattle area the greater seattle we've been exposed to plenty of opportunities that 
regardless of our interests, even if you're not interested in computer science or STEM overall, allow you to delve more deeper into that. But they're, they're, in terms of STEM, this nonprofit is an opportunity we consider a huge success just because we've been able to go to get like appeal to students who have a huge interest in these kind of things. And they've always, they've a great participation and engagement from students in the area. But outside of just education, there's things like hackathons. That's something both and I've done during our summers. And that's really fun. And I think being young students in STEM, and this is, I think, this applies to a lot of kids who in high school or middle school or on pursuing their STEM interests, is that they'll often see that they're the youngest out of a batch of people at a hackathon. But I think in the Seattle area, that isn't as true anymore. There are so many students that share similar interests. And I think that's what builds such a um, supportive community is because we, we share the same interests and we share the same opportunities, whether that be hackathons, whether that be building, reaching out to nonprofits and other companies for sponsorships and things like that, or even just get reaching out to industry leaders to speak at a club or something like that. It's all there. And that's what we love about the greater Seattle area. Yeah, no, I definitely would. I definitely wouldn't project what's on saying. I think it's one of the best things that I personally feel like this area is, it's really competitive, but that also helps you put yourself to a high standard and really set the bar for yourself, try to get past that. And just, there's, it's so much competition around here that it's always pushing you to be better and get better. So I think that's something what Sun and I, and I think sometimes, yes, sometimes that is a disadvantage, but at the same time, you can always be optimistic about that and take that in a way which is really engaging and powerful for you, which is always great to see. So. Yeah, and speaking a little bit to the lows, I think there are, just the fact that there are so many people doing so many things there's almost a li limited amount of time that people have i think people are really busy in this greater Seattle, and that almost comes you can see it a lot when you're reaching out to people and it's very hard to schedule a time because there's always so many opportunities that people are going for even if they're an intern at a company or they're a college student where you're just a high school student having so many places to go and things to do things to explore i think it's, it's a great thing, but it also takes a lot of your time. And when we've reached out to other, that sometimes becomes a problem. We love it. We love the Seattle area. It's been um, a huge success going, great, reaching out to students for organization, reaching out to districts, districts especially. That's a great positive thing is that they're very supportive of our, of our mission and they um, definitely encourage their, student, their students to um, participate. Yeah, that sounds great and good to hear that Y'all are looking at everything that the people around you are doing as more of something to encourage you rather than discourage you, mm -hmm. which is great. And lastly, I just wanted to ask if our listeners wanted to check you out where they could find you. Yeah, that's, that, that'd be fantastic. So we're actually, our website is www.startstemearly.org. So on our website, you can find out all the information about our upcoming events, how to donate, how to support our mission, and then also signing up for newsletters and any contact information if you do want to contact us. We'd love for you to support our mission and help us continue. So you can, of course, find us at that website. Again, that's www.startstimmerly.org. And adding on to that, congressional options students who might be listening in, we're always looking for help. We're always looking for people to spread our mission and get more students to get engaged in computer science. The congressional op challenge, I just want to add, has been a huge opportunity and something that we really value and really appreciate as an initiative by all the congresswomen and men that have come together to actually build this competition. So both Sol and I, we, we've won a couple times a few years ago and it was so fun, so engaging. And that's something that really uh, brought out the problem solving in us and really taught us um, how to build apps and really built our computer 
programming skills. And so I would encourage anybody who's in joining our organization and spreading our mission to reach out on our website. We have a messaging chatbot you can use it. It'll go right to our phones. And you can also email us at startstemearly at outlook.com. And like Sol said, you can reach out on our website at startstemearly.org. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. And now I'll pop it over to our tech news expert to give us a rundown on what's been going on this week. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Batavia, and welcome to the first installment of the Pop Culture Bite, where we'll bring you the latest buzz in the intersection between tech and current pop culture trends. Let's start off with clearly the most defining movie in the last couple of weeks, Spider-Man No Way Home. The film was the latest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and was exclusively released in theaters December 17th. You might think that because of the pandemic and the current move towards streaming, the movie would have flopped, but you would be surprised to find that the movie created a renaissance in the return to cinemas. In just its opening day in the US and Canada, the movie made $121.85 million, and in its opening weekend it earned $260 million. As of January 14th, the movie has earned a worldwide sales total of $1.5 billion and has broken several awards such as the highest grossing film of 2021, the eighth highest grossing film of all time, and the highest grossing Spider-Man movie. And this is all the more impressive given that the movie was filmed during the initial spike of the COVID-19 pandemic in late 2020. A sequel is confirmed for the movie and I'll definitely be watching it. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> Speaking of movies and streaming, though, Netflix has just announced that it is raising prices for subscribers following similar price increases in 2019 and 2020. The price of its basic plan will increase by $1, its standard plan by $1.50, and its premium plan up by $2. The price hikes come as Netflix's customer growth wanes due to increasing competition in the streaming market from such giants like Disney+, HBO Max, Amazon Prime Video, and Apple TV+. As a result, the streaming platform has stated that the price increases are needed to balance growing production costs to produce higher quality content. And that makes sense when you consider that it spent $17 billion producing content in fiscal year 2021 to battle its competitors. I mean, if you want good quality movies, they're going to cost a lot. <laughs> now, we've just talked a lot about spending, but there's an alternative to just spending cash. You could be spending your Dogecoin, and I'm being serious here. Tesla has recently allowed for some items on its online store to be payable with Dogecoin in addition to the rest of its store offerings payable in cash. Some items that you can buy in Dogecoin included stainless steel cyber whistle, a zinc and silver finished giant belt buckle, a mug, and an official four-wheel ATV car that you can buy for 12,020 Dogecoins. Tesla CEO Elon Musk hinted at the decision earlier this month because of his support of Dogecoin as the people's cryptocurrency on his social media, and now it is an official legal tender on the Tesla shop, and you can buy Dogecoin for 19 cents a coin. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's Pop Culture Bite. I hope you enjoyed it and got a healthy dose of what's been training for the last couple weeks. We'll see you here back soon, though. Now back to you, Meta. And that's that. Thanks so much to our tech news expert. And thank you so much to our tech fans and listeners. This has been the Congressional App Challenge Debugged Podcast. 
Be sure to check us out on all podcast streaming platforms. And if you want to hit up our social medias, check out the Congressional App Challenge on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your host, Medha Gupta, signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye.